welcome to Scaling the Summit, Radio Gold Style. Your host, Charity Bryan and Sandra K. Sims. I am your technical director, Ginger Aaron Brush. Let's get started. Welcome to Scaling the Summit. We are Radio Gold. I'm Charity Bryan. Please welcome back my co-host, Sandra Sims. Buddy, how you doing today? It's wonderful here in Birmingham. All right, listen, I need a weather report. I think I, I see you're wearing a jacket. Yeah, it, it's cool here. It's, it's a little nippy. It's nippy. It's it, the, we're having a little winter in spring. Okay, it's the end of April. I'm worried about you in a jacket. Okay, I had to grab the jacket out of the car because I didn't put it on today. Okay. And so I had to add it. It's cold. All right. Ginger, well, ginger is it cold here in Birmingham? Yes. It is very yes. chilly today. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Unexpectedly right. chilly. Mm. Are you telling me in Louisiana it's not cold today? Buddy, I got to be honest with you. I went out to lunch uh, and it was uh, it was actually a little chilly. I thought I could have worn long sleeves today. So, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, Definitely not a jacket person. I know. You. I know. Neither of us are. We've we've been all the way to Boston with no jacket. Okay, so, but I, it's, you know. I, I'm. I'm changing it. I think I need cool. I need oh. to start. Yes. Oh, that's a different okay. show. That's yeah, a that different is. show, yeah, buddy. Don't, don't, don't go there. Okay. All right. All right. Well, listen, you know what? I'm excited about this show because it's going to be great. And I'm so excited. We have a very special guest on our show today. Now, buddy, we have had Olympic participants before on our show, right? We've had yes, Olympians. It's It's been very incredible. We've never had a gold medalist. Now, you and I are gold medalists in air conditioning and desserts. All right. That's but correct. We, but today we have a real, an actual Olympic gold medalist, our friend Jennifer Chandler. Jennifer, welcome to Radio Gold. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing great. It's so wonderful to be here. Thanks for including me. Absolutely. We're excited to have you. And unlike us, you're not an Olympic medalist in air conditioning or desserts. Uh, <laughs> we're going to hear more about your Olympic career today. And we are so very excited. So, buddy, I'm going to tell our listeners real quick. Jennifer won the gold medal in the 1976 Montreal Olympics at the age of 17. She attended Ohio, the, excuse me, the Ohio State University on a diving scholarship. And while there, she injured her back and then was recuperating and competed in the 1978 World Championships and qualified for the U.S. boycotted 1980 Olympics. So in 1980, Jennifer retired from uh, competitive diving. She went on in 1987, graduated from the University of Arizona with a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Drawing and Painting. I mean, we have a Renaissance woman on the show today, buddy. (laughs) In 1993 to 1996, Jennifer uh, was an executive with the Birmingham Olympic Soccer Organization, which hosted 11 soccer matches as part of the 1996 Olympic Games. From 2003 to 2012, she worked at the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame as director of its outreach programs. From 2011 to 2021, for 10 years, was the development and special events coordinator for Lakeshore Foundation, an athletic training and rehabilitation facility in Birmingham, Alabama. She's currently working at Vulcan Park and Museum as the Director of Development. We'll hear more about that today too, buddy. In 1985, Jennifer was inducted to the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. In 1987, she was inducted in the International Swimming and Diving Hall of Fame. And in 2009, she was inducted in the Calhoun County 
Sports Hall of Fame. Buddy, I'm excited. This is a big day. You know, Hall of Fame, this is a big deal. But gold medalists, woo, over the top. I'm just being honest with you. This Olympic diving, I I saw some uh, video clips, uh, some pictures, and looking at your bio, it's pretty amazing to see. Number one, you were so at 17 years old. I think that that's what we need to come back to. 17, and you are doing this amazing. Um, I, I mean, it's got to be the dream of a lifetime as a 17 year old, actually, just to participate in the Olympics. But to get the gold medal, oh my gosh, I'm interested in if you'll give some people maybe some opportunities to hear your side of the story of what it was like to be a 17 year old and standing up on that podium when the, you know, when other words, when your country, our country's um, national anthem is being played. Can you kind of give us some highlights of your career and particularly that first year in that 17? Sure can, but I, I just want to comment about something you just said about standing on the podium and listening to the national anthem. I'll just say that uh, during the pandemic, when we were all zooming and everybody was, you know, not in the room with everybody else, and you're trying to have normal business goings on, and I'm, I'm a member of downtown Kiwanis, and we always play the national anthem, and we're zooming. I'm watching the, you know, meeting and the speaker. I still stand up for the national anthem in my room by myself with my cat and my dog. I cannot ever listen to the national anthem without standing up and putting my hand over my heart because it still, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that moment my entire, my entire life. Never dreaming as I started diving at Mountain Brook Swimming Tennis Club when I was nine years old that that would even be part of my life's repertoire to, to you know have that as a memory um i started diving because i started diving because i found out if you're a swimmer you can't talk very much oh <laughs> wow just i'm just uh, i need to qualify that a little bit um i started out swimming with carlos de cubis at mountain brook swimming tennis club who was the cuban olympic swimming and diving coach and he had just escaped from cuba to the United States, ended up in Birmingham teaching swimming, diving, tennis, and fencing at Birmingham Southern College and took a summer gig at MBST. And I started out there, got on the swim team with Carlos, and um, then my mom was the swim team chairman. We didn't have any divers, so she actually was a diver. She was a young girl, and she suggested that I give it a, a shot, so I did. Um, and then, as I said, um, I found out that diving was much more fun because you can talk, um, and which I got in trouble for quite often. But Carlos told me when I was nine years old that if I worked really hard in diving, <clears throat> that I could be a national champion. Well, I didn't really follow that entire timeline that he had in his head, but I thought it sounded intriguing and fun, and, and I was all in, and so... Boom, we started really working hard. And um, then when I was 12, he told me, let's let's start thinking about the Olympic Games in five years. Well, how in the world did I end up with this serendipitous opportunity to work with an Olympic coach? I'm from Cuba. I mean, the United States Olympic coaches were who knows where. I didn't know. I didn't even know what the Olympic Games were. Wow. So um, it was just, it was just, 
I don't know. I don't know whether it was written in the stars or what it was, but I mean, it was just the most wonderful childhood I can imagine. Um, I still, people ask me things like, do you regret giving up a normal childhood? Well, first of all, I'm wondering like, do I look funny to you or something? <laughs> <laughs> um, why do you think am I don't look normal or what? Um, but anyway, what I was doing was normal for me and my friends were my diving team, you know, friends and um but I still got in trouble growing up I didn't I didn't you know I went to regular schools I didn't have tutors I didn't you know we were extra I mean we were working out I basically dived a minimum of four hours a day six days a week for 13 years but that doesn't even count as I got older I mean that was when I was a kid so um anyway it just it just when you really love what you do, and I was really passionate about it, I just absolutely loved, loved, loved to dive, and I couldn't imagine not doing it. So I don't know how that happened when I was that little, other than the fact that my parents were incredible um, supporters, motivators, positive attitude kind of people, um, supportive beyond belief. My sister, I'm the oldest of three girls, uh, the same with them. They spent summers on strange pool decks. We didn't, I didn't ever go to the beach for summer vacation. I mean, I was already on the pool deck. Um, so anyway, it, it was just a, a, a magical journey. I wouldn't change any of it, even though I did leave home at 13 to follow Carlos when he moved from Birmingham Southern to Georgia Tech. Um, but my comment was when he did that was my mom was trying to coach me at Jewish Community Center in the winter, it was winter time, and that just wasn't working. I mean, when your mom tells you to do something, I'm pretty sure a lot of you who are listening have had this experience. When your mom tells you to do something, there is an option to say, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you're too young to know better, if you know what I'm right. saying. Now, if your coach tells you to do something, it's like, yes, sir. So I asked if I could move to Atlanta and live in a dorm which I did. So I left home when I was 13 and followed Carlos to Atlanta. But again, that was my decision. That was not, you know, something my parents brought up or it's like, you're going to do this. You know, we've, we've started this. We're going to finish. It was never anybody's idea about mine. So that, that is, you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. I mean, he, they could have suggested it. I could have tried it. And if it wasn't my idea, that kind of situation just doesn't work. I can't imagine, but what a what a gift to actually have this man come in to your life and open up an amazing doorway. Yeah. But but for you being that young and being, I, I, that's that's I mean six six days a week. That's a lot of that's a lot of life that you gave to that water, and I think that you know I don't think everybody really understands how long it takes, and that's what's the tough thing about when you start looking at the Olympics. And, you know, you think about, just like right now, we, we, we think about that, the Olympics, and we'll talk about that in a bit, but, you know, anytime there's a pause or a stoppage, it changes whatever the pattern is that you had that you were preparing for. So I can't imagine, honestly, uh, the work that you had to do, but I definitely think it paid off. You have that gold medal, and uh, it's amazing, and I know that you were willing to show it, but our podcast can't see, so i, I I definitely know that we've seen it in person for sure. We know it exists and what a, what a great, what a great gift. Uh, and again, an honor. I want to ask you who, 
yeah, I hear you say your mom and your dad encouraged you. And of course, this coach. Was there anybody else that you want to like give a shout out to that, that actually helped you, I don't know, stay on the path to this gold medal success? It would be my grandmother, my grandmother, because when I moved to Atlanta at 13, I'm pretty sure the only reason I got to go now that I'm older is because she lived in Atlanta. I don't think my mom would have let me just leave home at 13 to live in a dorm. Um, But my grandmother was there and we saw it. I stayed with her every weekend. And she I called her mama, too, like Roman numeral, too, because she was my other mother. You know, when I, when I left home um, and one, one time we were, she, oh, well, let me just put it this way. She would always say, are you, are you sure you're doing this because you want to do this? And I would look at her like, I mean, you know, like the dog <laughs> head sideways. Like, what do you mean? I mean, I was like, well, what do you mean? And she goes, well, is this your idea or is this is not your parents? I, I want to make sure this is your idea because she goes, look at you. You're just exhausted all the time. And I said, well, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> because, I mean, I was doing what I really wanted to do, but she was really good about making me, like when I would, well, was not sitting in the car with her, I'd think about it later and go, well, let me just think about this for a minute. Why is she asking me that? Yeah. At the time, it, at the time I, it sort of irritated me. I mean, I don't, I don't mean that to sound bad. It was like, well, what do you mean? Of course I'm doing what I want to do. Right. And so. She was protecting she, you. She was being very protective. And, um, but I will always, always be in debt to her for encouraging me to take two steps back and look at it and not just be engulfed in what you're doing to the point that you can't even see what's happening to you. So um she she was awesome in that way yeah i'm interested would she happen to have been uh, you know when you when you got to win the the game the olympic gold did she happen to be able to go to montreal she did not get to go to montreal um that was my sisters did it was the, actually the finals were on my youngest sister's seventh birthday oh, wow. um and my parents were both there and both my sisters were there. But 10 years later, when I lived in Tucson, Arizona, and that's a whole other story we maybe get to or not, I don't know. Um, I, had, I was invited back for the 10th year anniversary of the Montreal Games, and I could bring a guest. So um, I asked my grandmother to go. Oh. And um, so I would have been 27 at the time. And she was, I don't know, in her 50s. I don't, she was one of my best friends and always will be. But anyway, yep, I was coming back from doing, this is a crazy story. I, I was doing commentary in Russia for the Nargol Goodwill Games. And I flew from Russia to Montreal and she flew from Atlanta to Montreal and we met in the airport. Oh, wow. And then we went to the hotel together. But we went to a Montreal Expos game where the stadium was, you know, where we had opening ceremonies. We went to art galleries. We just had a big time. We had, it was lovely. And she was so excited to get, because she'd never been much, you know, she had not traveled a lot. So it was really cool. That's neat. Very good. Yeah. 
Hey, Jennifer, it's uh, it's still really early in the show, and sometimes I go off script, and it makes Sandra really nervous, and so that's kind of one of my favorite things to do is to, to go off script, but I got to tell you, it's a little early for me to go off script, but I have to know, when you were living in Atlanta at Georgia Tech, did you ever walk over to the varsity for- where, What do you know, mean, the place where they say, what do you have, what do you have, what do you have, what do you have? Yeah, that place. I was afraid maybe you were too- <laughs> Too healthy to know about it, but I'm glad oh, that you yeah. know. No, 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 no. I got to go to the varsity many times. Oh, <laughs> I'm so glad, buddy. Aren't you glad to hear yes, that? Yes, that was okay. a good question. All right. Job. All right. I'm, I'm, back, I'm, back on, I'm, yeah, I'm back on track now that I know that very irrelevant and important tidbit. So, you know, Jennifer, ever since the Olympics, you have literally dedicated your life and your professional career to leading and serving others, you know, whether it was with Birmingham Olympic Soccer, Alabama Sports Hall of Fame, the Lakeshore Foundation, which of course we all know and love and and just they do such amazing work there. What do you what do you kind of think got you onto that path of leadership and service? And can you can you kind of tell us professionally how that opened up for you and why you have spent literally your whole career leading and serving others? I was so fortunate as a young person to have many, many, many people support me and um, guide me and and towards towards getting me to and through what my dreams were, if that makes any sense. I mean, it's just one thing to get there, but then there's another thing to get through it once you get there. I mean, it's something is tough. I mean, I, I feel like it's important for me to to give back and share my experiences and share with people that they, they can do things that they think they couldn't do. I don't know, but we all have a tendency to think we can't do this or we can't do that. Or, um, you know, especially when I get a chance to talk to children, you know, they'll be told, what are you thinking? Like, no, there's, are you nuts? You can't do that. You know, your, your parents, don't have enough money you're you're not born in the right i don't know there's a give up you know make up a million reasons why you can't do something and that's for some reason what we do to ourselves so it's um important to me to give back to people i mean particularly young people but not just not just children but to everybody too because you know what it's really never too late um just because you didn't do something when you were little or when you were younger whatever that might be, it doesn't, it's never too late to get started. I mean, we're only here for a little bit on this earth. And um, I just feel like it's important to encourage people to be the best they can be and, and to be uh, authentic and, and um, positive in terms of what, what their gifts are. Hey, I'm going to jump in. I never, I rarely go off script. I think this, it, it probably would bother Charity. This, this, this is, is a first. First. This okay, is the first. Well, I, I'm going to add, I want to say, you know, one of the things that you did when you talk about giving back, I remember when you were, um, when we were doing the 96 Olympic Games and we were doing, we got together about the, the curriculum and we built a curriculum on soccer to actually go into the schools so that the, the, all the students would understand the process. And I remember that. Uh, I think that that's probably when I met you for the first time, had a yeah. chance to, to work together. But that gift of bringing together educators and then working with students, I, I want to make sure the audience can hear that. 
that's your, your that that's the gift that you gave. You can't, you wanted other people to be successful in whatever means. In other words, just that they could. They could even be a good spectator. When here here in Birmingham, yeah. who would have thought that we would have been the host for the the soccer? You know, in that time, in 96, of course, now there's a lot of soccer here. But at that time, there really wasn't that that much soccer that was going on, particularly even in the high schools uh, and the Alabama High School Association. So I think the biggest thing is just to see that love and and the support that you gave to promote um, the curriculum and that we actually were able to give. And it was big. It was it was a huge document. That we that gave was out a big, big, big. It was called Goal G O A L, like making a soccer goal. Goal ninety six. And remember that kids who would do that program at school, if they completed it, then their names went into a big hopper. And we drew names for free tickets. And this was a statewide program. And we actually got four thousand kids to come to Birmingham that never. And we provided the transportation. They never would have gotten to eight, probably even sometimes in some parts of our state go over the bridge, as you know what we're talking yeah. about. They might never have gotten on to go on a field trip, but come just or even just come to Birmingham, but then go sit in that stadium with all those thousands and thousands of people and watch that. It was just gives me chills to even remember that. Uh, that's wonderful. That was a great memory. But I think that that's what you know, we can't capture it all in these podcasts. But I'm just gonna say when you're talking about serving and the love of passion trying the passion just for it and it wasn't about diving it's about getting giving back and just getting people involved in life and i think that's the gift that you've done so thank you for sh- let me share that and that was my first ever uh it, it was but that was good thank you congrats way to go you may, you may go ahead and don't finish. you feel liberated now that i, I feel liberated I, I am free all right. Hey, <laughs> hey, listen, you guys will probably laugh, but uh, I remember that curriculum. It was my senior year in college and okay. uh, that that curriculum. No, seriously, you know, I, at Samford, we that curriculum, it was I think uh, Donna and Donna worked with you on that project. And yes, it did. Um, I, the, I think the notebook was massive. Huge. It was absolutely Huge. massive. About three inches thick. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Well, Jennifer, you know, another part of your professional journey that I, I don't know if all of our listeners might know is that you were also a sports broadcaster. Did to, Would you tell us about that? And was that a fun and exciting thing for you? That would make me very nervous, personally. It was fun. Um, you know, diving is a difficult sport to watch on TV, similar to gymnastics and um, skating, ice skating, because everything looks pretty for the most part um i mean so if i'm sitting on my sofa at home and i'm watching the diving, why is somebody getting a six or a seven and somebody getting a nine i, I can't pick it up i can't see the difference so the, my fun challenge was to try to um to tell tell people at home how to really watch and see what was going and so sandra i know you're in auburn fan but there's a there was an auburn professor in journalism and he used to tell his students um, you need to put the hay down where the cows can get it. <laughs> I just love that statement, but that's what I try to do. Good. I love that. It works yeah. in so many situations in life, period. Um, anyway, uh, I, I, I tried to, 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 to describe the diving, you know, in the, our sport so that people could understand what, what, what's the difference. I mean, the fun part is trying to score it at home and then see if you're close to what the judges got. And then, you know, 
try to be able to figure out who's going to win. And, and when, you know, it's, it's just, it was just fun. It was, it was challenging. There's no doubt about it, but I really liked it. You know, that's such a great point. I've really honestly never thought about it till right now, but you know, you don't even really have to be a sports fan, but if you're watching basketball and the ball doesn't go in a hoop, I mean, it's real, you know, you know, immediately, right. You get that, that immediate feedback, but you're absolutely right. If I'm watching gymnastics, I don't have a clue how they got to 8.67359 score. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a great point. And I'm, I'm glad you were able to put that hay down where the rest of us could get it. (laughs) That's awesome. <laughs> I, think, I think the biggest thing is I only knew when there was a splash that wasn't good. Okay, that's right. the only about the only thing, honestly, that I remember. If it was clean, that you were gonna score good. Okay, and so that's all I've got. Hey buddy. That's a really good one. That's a good thing to remember. <laughs> I just don't ever forget if you get the judges wet, it's not a good thing. Oh, <laughs> Hey, buddy, we, we ain't never entered a pool. There wasn't a splash. You no, know I, what I'm believe, saying? I, I would always yell cannonball. That's about <laughs> That's the only right. thing I do. That's it. Incoming. <laughs> big splash, big splash coming. But, you know, I think that that's, that's um, an amazing thing. And I love to talk to people that if we're athletes, particularly athletes of the 70s, which is where I, I started as well. But in particular, the group of people that were in that time of Title IX coming out. And we've we've had some incredible guests on the show. And, and I love, 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 I could talk about Title IX all day. And I know that we're looking at almost 50 years that we have, we have this wonderful, um, I don't know, this, this, this flag that we can wave, but I would love to be able to say that that everything is all as well. There's no doubt that life is different today than it was when you were diving as a 17-year-old and at, when I was playing volleyball. At, but I, I'm interested, did you see during that time of your life, which was when things were being implemented? I mean, things were really kind of kicking off during that late, that in the late mid-70s, uh, right after 72, then we, we come in and we we get to 1980. Did you see any impact of Title IX on your sport? I really didn't in diving because, um, in the, in, see, I was, at that period of time, I was, I was still real little. You know, I was uh, diving, swimming and diving were kind of a, a summertime sport that any, just about anybody could pick up if you had access to a pool. Um, but I, I didn't know anything about Title IX until I got older. And until I talked to friends of mine, I mean, who were just a little bit older than me, uh, one of our dear mutual friends, Rita Clanton, um, you know, she she was like the, the rose that bloomed because of Title IX. She, I mean, she was she was like the perfect example of why Title IX was so important. I mean, it just changed her life, changed her life, and opened doors. That, I mean, she still still getting back because of Title IX. Um, and we, we've had her on the show. So I need you to know. Oh, we, we talk, so she's talked. And I think that's what I love to talk about the Title IX. And I think particularly the impact. And so well, when you're saying it didn't impact, do you think it's impacted the Olympics since, you know, since then? So in other words, to today, do you think Title IX's had any impact on the, the women's participation in more sports or... It, is it? Is, do you think the Olympics is, is something that just would have would have evolved 
and would have progressed in women's sports with or without Title IX? I don't think women could have progressed in sports without Title IX, period. Right. And um, Title IX is, is actually, the way I understand it, it's, it's a lot bigger than just sports. I mean, it, it, it's Correct. about opportunity, period, and, right. and giving women and young girls the um, just the, the roadmap that it's, I mean, it, that it's, it's okay. It's okay to have a vision. Right. And then when you have a vision, if nobody's been down that road on this roadmap that we've given you, if you're going off on a road on your own, well, guess what? You can still do that too. Just because, I mean, you can be the first. Right. It's okay to be the first. Right. It's something. Um, but it's, it's okay to pursue something um, which is non-traditional, and I'm, I'm, I'm extrapolating this out into life, not just sports. Right. I mean, and I think that it's, it's been um, a good thing for, on many, many levels, just not in sports. I, I was just, just a bit young for, you know, right. I was the recipient of those things and I didn't know why, because I got a scholarship from Ohio State. Um, when I was 17, I changed coaches at that point. He was the coach there. Um, and But I didn't know. I didn't know at the time that it was pretty much unheard of for girls right. to get an athletic scholarship. Right. And I think that that's what – and I think sometimes we don't know. And I think the, one of the things that I kind of come back to is I don't know that this group of female athletes that absolutely have loads of opportunities now know the road that was – was before or behind them that, yeah. that got them to this point. And so I, anyway, I was just kind of interested if you saw impact in the Olympics, but I, I there's no doubt, you know, I'm a firm believer that Taliban has changed so many lives and I, and I'm glad that you were that recipient and had a chance to move on. So that's pretty awesome. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Hey, Jennifer, I know the, uh, you know, we were supposed to have the summer Olympics uh, last year in the middle of the, pandemic and they've uh, been delayed to uh, this summer uh, starting in late late July 2021. Do you, how do you, you know, given what we know now about this last year that we've kind of spent in isolation and wearing masks and being safe and hopefully getting vaccinated at this point, do you, do you have any concerns or reservations about the, the upcoming summer games, especially in terms of the athletes? I mean, I know they live in pretty tight quarters and uh, just what are your thoughts, your thoughts on that? The athletes are going to be okay. Their athletes are going to be fine in Tokyo because they are um, going to be under such strict um, guidelines in terms of mm-hmm. testing, in terms of all, all the protocols that we know that work now. Um, the, the thing that's going to be sad is that, and I, I think this, I don't know this for a fact, but I, in my heart of hearts, I really think that the athletes are going to get a chance to compete, which is fabulous. But I don't think anybody's going to be here to watch them. Mm-hmm. And um, that I was on the 1980 team that boycotted. And in my experience, there's there's a there's a large difference between a cancellation and a postponement. A postponement is still heartbreaking, and there's a lot of people that won't be able to participate in the 2021 games, quote unquote, even though they were 2020. Um, life happens. You your body 
quits on you. Um, you, you have to get a job, you know, there's mm -hmm. just, I mean, stuff happens, just stuff happens. So there'll be some athletes that won't be able to compete. They were on the 2020 team that made the team in 2020. They won't be able to compete a year later, but then on the flip side, there's some athletes that were too young in 2020 to compete. And now they're old enough in 2021 and they'll be able to. So there's just, it's hard to get your head around the whole thing. I, I'm just truly pleased and thrilled for the athletes that will get to compete. That just that they will get to compete and medals will be awarded and the games will be in the history books recorded as actually taking place versus the big blank spot for 1980. Right. And so, um, it's going to be different. I'm planning, I was planning on going to the Olympic trials in Indianapolis. Um, I've been to so many schools in my life, high school, once I left home at 13. I went to, don't ask me where I went to school because the show's not long enough. Um, <laughs> the only reunion I've ever been to is for the 1976 Olympic team. And we try to meet all, our, all of our team members every four years, if possible. We figured if we, as long as we're alive, if we can't get it together and just get, get every four years and we're pathetic. So we're, we've been doing that. Now, I don't think we're going to be able to do that in June because if the, if U.S. diving allows spectators, they've already canceled all of the, the events around the competition. Um, if they do allow spectators, it's going to be parents, which is as it should be. So We'll just have to wait till, I don't know, aren't the games in 2024 in Paris, are they not? I think so. And then 2028, right. they're in Los Angeles. So let's, let's go to both of those. How about let's it? Let's do. Oh, my road gosh. Show. That is road another road show. show. Hey, can I do a little follow-up? This has been my second one. Um, but, I, you know, I don't always like to talk about the boycott because I don't know how athletes, even at this point, 1980s, it is still – you know, and I want to, I want to respect that so clearly. If you don't want to talk about, it, but I, I do know that had to have been. No, I don't know. I don't know what that would have felt like. That to be that athlete in the eighties. If you don't want to talk about it, I understand. But I'm okay. just saying, the the boycott I know was a very difficult time. But as far as you as an athlete, that being taken from you, and you just said it's a blank spot. Uh, do you want to share any information on that and how you feel? I do, and I, I, you're, I appreciate your empathy, and that was kind of you to say the way you asked the way you did. I'm fine with talking about it. It was, it was a really difficult emotionally um, time because a lot we were getting news snippets here and there, and they were changing on a weekly basis. We're going, we're not going. We're going, we're not going. Well, that just messes with your head in a major way when you're training, and training is difficult. So, I mean, you're tired, you're sick, you're injured, you're burnt out, you're depressed, you're mad. I mean, there's all the gamut of emotions you feel when you're we got all of your energy into that one thing that you're concentrating on, and somebody is, you know, poking at it poking holes at it actually right. in it so that so there were times when it was basically why am I doing what what am I even doing this for mm -hmm. and so it was hard to stay on track while we were trying to determine whether we we're going to get to go or not then when we didn't get to go um 
I don't know. I think people just all handled it in a different way. Basically, anyhow, any way you could. Yeah. Uh, we, we had these trips that were planned as consolation trips. Um, and then, you know, China and Japan and White House and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's fine and good and everything, but, you know, you still didn't get to dive. You still didn't right. get to run. You still didn't get to swim. You still didn't get to do the thing that you do, you know? Right. What is that thing that you do that you can't stop? Right. It had to be hard. I mean, I just can't imagine. So thank you for sharing it. And I know that, you know, I know that it's it's not something that can be replaced. And I think that that's what's tough. And I, I know that they're trying with the, you know, with the Olympics. And I know with the, with the situation blow, blowing it back up, I just hope that we're, I hope it's going to be okay. You- they just did a, their, a 40-year reunion thing not too long ago. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to recognize the athletes that were on the 80 team because, like when I said, a blank spot, it truly was like a blank spot. I mean, you'd look at the results of the Olympic Games and it'd go, I'm just starting with this. I just, because it popped in my head, 68, 72, 76, 84, 88. Was a what? What happened in 1980? Right. It just wasn't, you know, just wasn't there. Right. So, um, and those, a lot of athletes that, see, I, I felt very fortunate because I had already competed and, and I made it, first of all, just making the team is the biggest part of this whole deal. That, that is the dream right there right. to make the Olympic team and to get to compete and represent your country. That's the big deal. That's the big one. I mean, winning the medal, that's awesome too, but that, that was, you know, that's correct. Second. That's secondary to actually making the team. I mean, you can be the best in the world if you don't make the team. Guess what? You don't get a medal. That's right. And in our country, it's hard to make the team. I can't imagine. So um, in any case, I got my own self sidetracked on that one. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's just, uh, <clears throat> I was just, and I know where I was going. I, I was proud to have made the team in 1976. And, um, but I was just so heartbroken for my teammates who were on the team for the first time in 1980. And that was it. They didn't get to go again. So they're trying, the U S Olympic and Paralympic committee is trying to, uh, recognize those athletes from 1980. Um, there's a new museum out in Colorado Springs an Olympic and Paralympic museum that is just unbelievable. I mean, it's the kind of thing like, if you're thinking of a family vacation and something really, really different to do, go to Colorado Springs and look at the Olympic and Paralympic Museum. It's that good. It's oh, wow. Good. So, yeah, it is. I'd encourage everybody to Google that and look at just check it out because it's amazing. Amazing. Interactive technology, all kinds of crazy stuff. But there is a big um, chunk of that dedicated to the 1918 team, as it should be, I think. Yes. Give those athletes the... Um, um, the recognition I think that they deserve they didn't ever get well thank you for letting me add that to this you know to the list and I appreciate your being honest in that yeah Jennifer that's just a you know it's a perspective that we we certainly haven't had on the show um so that is that's really incredible you know kind of going back to the Olympics that are coming up this summer that that should have been the 2020 Olympics and talking about COVID and the impact I'm curious you know, how have you been doing? What what have you done to kind of manage the craziness of the last year with, you know, being in isolation and not not able to get out? What what were your some of your strategies to to kind of make it through? 
Well, luckily I have a dog. Yay. My dog needs walking. And so we, we did a lot of walking and um, I, I really believe that the most key ingredient for survival in the world in general, not just during a pandemic is to be present in the moment. Um, it's just going to sound crazy. I can remember a lot of what I didn't do in 2020 and I have a hard time remembering what I did do. And, and, that may be human nature. I don't know. We remember what gets taken away from us. And sometimes we take for granted what we get, we do get to do, but um, it was just the weirdest, weirdest experience. I, it's just bizarro. I mean, it was, it was crazy, but I think coming out of this, the thing that we realize or that I realize is this most important thing are friends and family. Um, I love my job. I love um, I love a lot of things in my life, but really, when it get right down to the nuts and bolts of it, it's about your family and your friends, and um, kind of what you can share while you're in this world together. I think that's good. Yeah, you, I, and I'm glad we're coming through. I, th- I do think we're. I, I think we see that other side. I do, and I think we're starting to see. I don't yeah. know. Springtime has has brought brought yeah. forward some. It just said it, we feel, I don't know, there's, even though there's coolness in the area, uh, I definitely feel that we, we feel the, I don't know, we feel like something that we've turned something around. So yeah. I, anyway, I think that uh, we were going to move, we always do a past, present, future of something. And I wanted to go ahead and, you know, sometimes we do it for physical education or health education or something, but I wanted to do it with you, with the Olympics training, um, with what, like in the training elements and then the games themselves and so i kind of threw our questions this way what if what have you noticed about the olympic training games what changes have you noticed over the years so looking from the past forward to now what do you what what have you seen change the most from when i was competing they now have i mean we used to have our diving coach and the team and the divers it was the coach and the divers now it's a nutritionist, a sports psychologist, it's a physical therapist, it's the every kind of trainer you can think of, um, which I'll just throw it right out there. I could have used all those things. Might have helped my, my coach's mental health as well if we had had some of that. <laughs> we didn't have to go through it all himself. Um, so, I mean, honestly, that's to me is the biggest thing. I mean, certainly we know that the, the springboard is, is improved. The, I mean, just the actual object. Right. It's now you can do another flip and another twist on every dive that I used to do. And, I mean, my gosh, when I realized it was the board, I was so relieved when my friend, my former teammate and I were watching the meet at Ohio State. And we were looking at the, we weren't saying anything to each other, but we were watching these dives that they were doing. And both of us were like this, just, dead feeling in our stomachs like we would have been so there was no way <laughs> that was you know this is gonna happen well we heard ronnie ronald bryan my coach at Ohio state he was talking to somebody on his left i was sitting to his right my friend was sitting my teammate was to my right and i heard him say well with the advent of the you know the improvement of the springboard now all the divers can do another flip and another twist on every and i i just elbowed my teammate in the rib and said it's the board it's the board 
we would have been we would have been competitive after all after we've been <laughs> beating ourselves up wondering oh my gosh um yeah so the equipment has changed strength and conditioning has changed diets have changed nutrition's changed i mean the, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's changed one thing that won't ever change though is uh love the fact that a lot of people can win workouts and they can't get it together in a meet. It's not going to matter how much, how many people in their stable. It's just a lot of it's, you know, it's it's about desire. It's the mental part of uh, middle part of it. I think that's a great point. Thank you. Yep. Great point, Jennifer. So, in terms of the present, how do you think that the uh, U.S. Olympic Committee is doing right now in terms of their training with athletes present day? I believe they're finally really paying attention to the athletes' voices. Some of the athletes who have come before, some of recently retired athletes and actual athletes that are competing now, I mean, they're listening to what they need. And um, that's really, really important. Um, and it, it, to include the athlete's voice is, I think, the most big, the most pivotal change that's going on right now. Well, that kind of takes a run into the future. So what do you think that they should do? If they, after they hear it, do you think that they'll change some things? Do you think that they're going to, do you see what, is there something you go, I really wish that they did this? I really wish they'd be proactive. Just, that's it. Okay. I'll take that. Just take the information that you have, what it, what it is that you're learning from the athletes, from the actual people who are, all of this stuff is affecting and the, the reason why it's all happening to begin with. Just Thank listen, you. listen. Thank you. All right, Jennifer. So listen, we're going to shift gears now and have a little bit of fun. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> all right. So th this is our fun personal question section. And I'm going to start it off by asking, what's the best advice you ever received from your mom or dad, other than, you know, going to the varsity while you were in Atlanta, what's, <laughs> what would be next? <laughs> Well, I will say for sure that my mom, said, I mean, my, I told you earlier, I was so blessed to have had parents who were incredibly supportive and great motivators and um, just great positive role models. But uh, my mom used to say that um, I'm glad that you love diving and I'm, I'm glad that you're, you're enjoying it and, and moving up the ranks and everything, but one thing you don't ever forget is that nobody can ever take your education away from you. Mm -hmm. um, so if you get hurt, what are you going to do? If something happens and suddenly you can't dive anymore. And then she said to me one time, and you're going to look really silly at 60 years old, jumping off a 10 meter. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Thanks mom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, I just, she, she would put things in, amazing perspective but that's that's the fact is that you know at, at any given time somebody can pull the, the carpet out from underneath you and then you're standing there going well wait a minute what am i going to do now so um nobody can ever take your education away from you and really important and then my dad used to always say three things he'd say be prepared be yourself and you can do it nice awesome hey i gotta ask just because your mom brought it up. I mean, mm -hmm. do, are you near a 10 meter these days? Can can you get to a 10 meter and just let it rip? Uh, 10 meters, 33 feet. 
I, I perhaps would consider jumping out of a tree into a lake. <laughs> okay. I would never in life go up 33 feet to get on a 10 meter again for any amount of hot dogs from the varsity. Are you, all right. Well, you could not get me up there again. I'm afraid of heights for starters. Um, it wasn't my, wasn't my idea. It was my coat flies. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, I dream about diving a lot. I, yeah. I, I shouldn't say a lot, but I, I dream about it quite a bit. And typically they're not great dreams. Huh. <laughs> oh, interesting. wow. Uh, very interesting. So um, very few times I ever do dream about 10 meter. Okay. Okay. I, and I will say I've never had that dream about a 10 no. meter. Uh, I cannot imagine, really. I think I could just see my knees just knocking and going, I'm not, I'm out here. Hey, well, buddy, you know what's the problem? You know do what, Jennifer? Since she just described me on 10 meter, I was the same way. I uh, hey, buddy, the problem is, though, when you're on the 10 meter, if you made it up, how are you going to get down? Right? I'll, I'll have to tell you that it's a lot, it's less scary jumping off than yep. it is climbing down. I agree. Uh, okay, well, guess what? I'm I never going to climb up. That's what I, you just <laughs> that, that's Thank the, you for that's saving the, um, me. Prudent advice right there. Don't okay. even go up. Don't there. go up. Okay. There you go. That makes, but hey, I want to tell you, Jennifer, we have had many people talk about moms, and you've talked about your mom a lot. And we, there's something about the show we always have. There's something about the people that we have that always have a great mom story and incredible yeah. mother support. There's something about moms and there's no dads too, but uh, we, 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 we have a lot of stories about how that was so important in the success. So thank right. you so much for sharing, you know, what your mom did. And, and even so some of the advice might've been, you know, what are you going to be look like on that yeah. 10 meter? Uh, you know, I think that we needed the directness, but I think that the point is we needed, we always had their support. So oh, I, I think that I, that's I, pretty I awesome. I want to take this opportunity to tell anybody who's listening how, what a thrill and a wonder it was to watch you with your mom. You were just uh, awesome with her. And um, I've just admired and respected what the relationship that y'all had together was magical. And I'm just, just think that was wonderful. Well, thank you. And I, that's my, my mother was my rock and uh, oh. just a, a tough. You were hers too, though. What, well, but thank you, Jennifer. That was awful sweet. I've forgotten that you met my mother. You know, there's so many times I don't re remember parts of life of how many times yeah. my mom, my poor mom had to ride in school buses and do a lot of things there at the end. So bless her heart. But thank <laughs> God we had a great mother that, that pushed us through. All right. I'm going to get back so I don't start crying here. Okay. Uh, okay. On another fun question. What's the best book you've read lately? Okay. This is a weird thing. Um, this is, um, I was at the incredible opportunity to be part of a women's leadership group called Momentum here in Birmingham. Um, even though it's the greater Birmingham area. In any case, uh, I've read a book from another Momentum classmate who was the former captain of the police department in Birmingham. And her name is T.K. Thorne. And she wrote a book um, called Noah's Wife. Um, she wrote another book. Well, first of all, let me just tell you about Noah's Wife. It, it, it's, um, it's historical fiction. It is about Noah's wife. I mean, and I'm, I'm, I go, you know, I'm not overly religious, but of course, I mean, I, well, 
my own personal faith. I couldn't, I, I couldn't put this book down. Like wow. till like three in the morning and like made myself go to sleep because I had to get up and work. I mean, I, and then I know. And then I read her, another book she wrote called Angels at the Gate. And that was about Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah and, and Lot's wife. I mean, it's like, what? I'm like, where in the world? I could not put these books down. And one thing about um, her heroines in her book was they were strong, strong female role models to mm. me, to me. Right. And I think that was something that I was looking for at that particular time in my life because um, it would be several, it was during COVID, you know. Right. So anyway, um, I would highly recommend Noah's Wife and Angels at the Gate. And listen, this is crazy. She wrote another book that I read called House of Rose. I mean, I just blew through everything I'd get my hands on by T.K. Thorne. And um, anyway, it was set in Birmingham. A lot of it was up at Vulcan. Oh, no Before I got, before I, I, I now work at Vulcan Park and Museum. This is before I even got the job here or was even entertained working here. And I read this crazy good book. So there you go. Perfect. Hey, that was we got three out of that. Yeah. So that nice. Thank love, you. Love Stay a home, Yeah, love a hometown <laughs> recommendation. That's awesome. I love it too. Yeah. Hey Jennifer, I don't know if you noticed, but around here we like to uh, eat. Uh, we will cook if it absolutely is required. We'd much rather somebody cook for us and then we just eat. Uh, but question for you, what is your favorite meal to eat or cook? A brunch. Oh, and brunch. Like, yeah, buddy, all, buddy, we, we like a brunch. Say what? We like a brunch. Keep going. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, brunch is happy. Brunch is always happy. Brunch yeah. can be lazy. Brunch can be dressy. Brunch can be inside, outside. But it's just typically happy. And it's usually when you've got people, friends, or family together. Um, so yeah, I like cooking any, any, all kinds of brunch things. You know, buddy, I've never considered the versatility of the brunch. Jennifer's exactly right. It could be inside, outside. I've never been to an unhappy brunch. Have, have you? No. no. I think I need to go to more brunches. You I do, that, buddy. I do. Yeah. Especially if they have bread pudding at them. You and really... so what you're trying to say is Jennifer needs to invite us. Is that what you're trying Jennifer, to say? Jennifer, do you cook much? This, this much? Yes, I do. I do. And I, oh, I've never made do. bread pudding, but when you brought that up, it made my mouth water. Oh, <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Uh, yeah. we, uh, anyway, you know, next. That was, that was a bad yeah. plug. We just kind of stuck that right in there. And it was actually me this time that just invited ourselves over. Oh, no, okay. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. <laughs> Yeah, we, we can do that. As soon as we can all get back together. Uh, that's right. We, just we, we do I would this. love, we... love that. Love okay. That. All right. How about beach or mountains? What's your favorite? The answer is yes. Yeah, there you go. That's a great answer. <laughs> that is a great answer. That's the right answer, too, by the way. All right, Jennifer, describe for us a perfect weekend for you. Now, remember, this is a great question. We've had people answer this question with teleporting. Um, they've had their kids in their, in their perfect weekend and they had them invisibly disappear. You can do anything oh, you want. Hilarious. So go, go right ahead. Well, I'm just going to tell you off the top of my head and then, um, then I could, I could be creative, more creative later on. When I'm <laughs> I would say now I'm, I am going to transport a little bit here. So I'm going to start off with a sunrise in the desert. Like I lived in Tucson for 10 years. There's nothing more magical than a sunrise in the desert. Mm. 
Okay. Mm. So we can start out with that. I mean, maybe, like I said, I live in Tucson. Uh, then I'm going to magically transport back to Pepper Place. And I'm going to take yeah. my dog. And we're going to look at all the beautiful fruits and vegetables and listen to the wonderful local music and look at the great art that's out there, the local artist wares, the Alabama makers, which I love, love, love. Um, and I love people watching and dog watching. Yeah, I just <laughs> love Pepper Place. I love it. Um, and plus, you get all that good stuff to cook when you get home. Um, then I would like to paint or draw on the, you know, I want to get back from that. That'd be fun for just a little bit. And then I'd like to take a long hike in the woods and preferably with some kind of water. It could be a lake. It could be a stream or a creek or just something. Um, nice long hike in the woods with mercy, of course. Um, and then come home and just have a nice, cook a nice dinner. Some of those veggies I got at the, at the pepper, at pepper place or not. I'm a little bit semi-addicted to the Food Network, so sometimes I can <laughs> see something I like that day, and then, you know, now you can just pull it up on your iPad or whatever. You don't even need a cookbook, and you, you know, forget, you forget, you didn't write it down, you don't have to write it down. You can say, oh, man, that sounds great, and then make it that night, if that's fun. Mm. I, I do enjoy cooking. It's, it's relaxing to me. That's really um, good. We're happy this, about this that. It's only Saturday. How much time do we have? We got the whole weekend. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm not through with Saturday. At the after oh. dinner, after dinner, then it's uh, it's building a fire outside. Whether you've got a deck or a patio or wherever, we can go. Um, and then build a fire and have a glass of wine and wait for the lightning bugs to come out. And wait, what <laughs> what kind of what kind of wine are we having? Could we could we drill that down? We can do red. We can red. Do okay, a cab. What do you? Um, we can do a, maybe a, a Malbec. Oh, oh yes, that's a good choice. Yeah, it's a great choice. Okay, keep going. Maybe. Um, and then wait for the lightning bugs to come out, and then you've got the cicadas and the frogs singing. Um, and then just count the stars as they come out, and then that's, that would be a really nice Saturday. Yeah. Okay, Sunday we're fast forwarding. We're sleeping in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, I'm in Monaco, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to take a long walk along the cliffs in Monaco, overlooking the Mediterranean, which is cold water, but it's blue and dark dark blue, really pretty. And we're looking at all the boats down there, parked down there. Um, By the way, buddies, this is the best use of teleporting. I, I think we've I, seen. I, I, I'm yeah. going to say, this is yeah. this is a serious. Monaco. Woo. Yes. Okay, keep hey, going, keep Jennifer. Really, really pretty. Yeah. Um, so then we got to do brunch again, an outdoor pretty brunch. So it's just beautiful places to sit and eat yeah. out there. Um, I, by the way, I was there when I was a kid, um, when I was diving and we came through there. Okay. We, we came through Monaco on the way back from, I forgot what Sweden or where we were, but we, we, we came, I did get, I've been to Monaco three times. It's not because I own a yacht there or I'm a big gambler. <laughs> I just got to go through Monaco. I'm just blessed that I got to see that place three different times. It's my, it's a magical place on the planet. Mm. So we're gonna have brunch outside somewhere, and spend all the afternoon on a boat. And it could be any kind of boat, maybe a sailboat. You know, I like the sailboat. Um, so then. We're going to um, have a nice massage before an early dinner. We're going to have dinner in Nice, and then we're going to watch the sunset in the ocean. 
Okay, wow. you're getting an A plus. I just want to gonna say this has got to be the greatest weekend ever. <laughs> this is a gold this, medal. That is it weekend. She wins the gold yes. medal. This is yes. it. Well, of oh. course, always, you know, always nice to have somebody special there with you if you can. But I mean, all that, all that is just some of my most favorite things that I've gotten to do in my life. And um I love that question that you asked. That's awesome. Thank you. That was good. All right. I can't even imagine what your life would be like um, in a different way. But I think that the point of the question is just that, that if you had to choose a different profession, not that you would ever want to change your path that you've been on, but there are some things I, I'm, I'm still, we need it. We should have had some more questions on the art, that degree. And I, with you just saying you love to paint, that's, uh, I, I'm interested in that. But if you had to change your profession, what would it be? I probably would have been art therapist. Oh, okay. Very yep. good. So that um, it was something when I went to UC Irvine three years. Um, and I was, I was an art major from day one. Carlos, my first coach was a painter. Oh, we, we were. Gosh, what, what did he art. not do? Okay. He was the I fencer. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. He was awesome. He was awesome. Okay. Oh my goodness. Yep. So yeah, he, he sparked my love of art when I was a little girl. And um, so then when I went to UC Irvine, I mean, and I went, okay, I'll just give you the rundown. I went to Ohio State, UC Irvine, UCLA, and I graduated from the University of Arizona. So, but I was always an art major. All, I never changed my major, much to my father's chagrin. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. And so I always thought, Art therapy was just kind of coming into being at that time. I mean, it wasn't really anything. I, I just heard a professor bring it up one time, and I thought it was intriguing. I never had to, I don't know why. I just never had the opportunity to really pursue it. But I, I thought, what better thing, for instance, like for, for children particularly who have experienced something traumatic or whatever, um, or just fill in the blank, um, how painting or drawing or creating something and expressing their feelings could be the way that they can learn to communicate mm -hmm. and or deal with things that are difficult or or just I think communicate just communicate perfect it's not too late I guess you could still you get your art you could do this yeah. now right. well, that's one thing I kept telling my dad daddy I can do that till I'm like 100 years old and maybe make Make a little money. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am gonna, gonna start. I, I am gonna start painting again though because I do have a studio now. So nice. I'm start doing that again. Yeah, I was wonderful. gonna suggest you get a little uh, art stand in Monaco, and then you Wouldn't could sell you. Then you could sell your paintings <laughs> right there, and then go to brunch. Yeah, exactly. That's a great day. <laughs> no, we want to keep her here. Well, in I know, I know, buddy. I'm just hypothesizing. Okay. okay. <laughs> settle down all right jennifer so this is the uh end of the show we have a fun little game we like to play with our friends called two truths and a lie we always play this game in honor of our friend cam kirst and we are going to have our amazing executive producer ginger aaron brush she's going to be our guesser and you're going to tell us three statements about you two of those will be true and one of those will be a lie so ginger are you ready I am ready. Jennifer, are you ready? <laughs> I am ready. 
All right. Well, please hit us. Can't wait to hear this one, buddy. <laughs> this was going to be tough. I just can already sense it. You feel it? You can feel yeah, it? Okay. I do. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> okay. One is my first job slash paycheck was from Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Number two, I went on a date with Prince Albert when I was a teenager. Wait, the one from Monaco where we were just selling your art and having brunch? <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yes. Oh. That, that one. And then number three, I'm afraid, I'm afraid of heights. I'm afraid of heights. Whew. Okay, Ginger. I don't have any help for you here. I know. Wow. I uh, secretly, can I just say I really hope she went on a date with Prince Albert? <laughs> <laughs> Is that bad? Is that is that okay to say it's good okay um okay well i think statement number three must be true hearing your conversation today i know i've I've realized that i've I've given some answers out that's okay because i need the help (laughs) i I need all the help i can get (laughs) okay yes Um, i'm terrified of heights okay so huh disney world or prince albert this is a first i have to say (laughs) It's the first time we've ever had a, a prince on right. the show. Okay. I, I, gosh, I think that, and, and let me give you my, my rationale. I think you would have been too busy to work and get paid through Disney. I mean, with all your travel and all your training and how would you have had time for that? But then on a date with Prince Albert, well, your lie is you did not, your, your lie is statement number one. I do not believe that you got a paycheck from Disney. All right. This is your turn, Jennifer. You got you to gotta say it. Hey, buddy, do you want to jump in? Do you no, want to no, say no, no. No, okay. No, okay. No. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. Does anybody else have any ideas too? I mean, I, I do, but now I'm afraid to speak because Sandra's shut Go me ahead. down. No, no, no. Please. Okay, see, I think it's possible that the Disneyland thing could be legit because she went to college two times in California. So maybe she had a little summer job action that at Disneyland in California that would have been legit, but then that's going to make the lie Prince Albert. And I really want that to be true. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> and she's been to Monaco three times. Correct. So theoretically she could have run into him. Yes, absolutely. And what Prince wouldn't want to date Jennifer. I mean, you know, that is true. So, okay, I'm just... I don't have an answer. I never give answers. This is not outside of my zone. I always just encourage. I I think Ginger might be correct. Okay, well, you ready? I'm going to lose it if she went on the date with Prince Albert. Go ahead. All right, drum roll. Drum roll. Okay, okay. I did have a job at Disneyland. That was my first little gig right after I retired from diving. Just for okay. fun. I had a friend that invited me to come down there. And, do and now we're disappointed you didn't, say, that you didn't go on a date. I know. Prince. And so you know that I'm afraid of heights. So I did not have a date with Prince Albert. However, Uh-oh. we did an exhibition at that saltwater pool in Monaco. And we all stood up on some little stand after when all the divers went. And he did kiss me on the cheek. Oh, when I was that working. counts. That counts. Okay. Yeah, that counts as a date. That, that yeah. was it. That's yeah. it. We're gonna leave out the part about being fourteen, but yes, it absolutely <laughs> counts. As a date. 
Absolutely. Yes. Well, he was about 17, so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it was, you know, he well, was not loving the crowd. That actually could have worked out then. I mean, you Gosh. know, stranger things have happened. Wow. Well, Jennifer, I think you might actually win the Two Truths or a Lie prize. That was absolutely fabulous. So thank you for that. That was great. Jennifer, thank you for your time today. We had a blast, buddy. I could talk to her all day. I know. I love this. Why don't we talk over brunch with her all day? I'm having fun too. Yes, we're going to do brunch. Okay. Yay. Yay. All right. Well, Jennifer, listen, I'm excited also to tell our listeners that, you know, we did not have our health and physical literacy summit this year because of the pandemic, but we will be back in person in Birmingham, the beloved city uh, of Vulcan in February. It's going to be February 13 through 15, 2022. Uh, back at the Hyatt Regency for the Health and Physical Literacy Summit. We can't wait to see everybody back in person. Jennifer, you were there with us last year, and I certainly hope we'll see you in 2022. We'll have to do some brunch. Absolutely count on it. Before or after the conference. And so, Jennifer, thank you. Wait a minute. We'll have to also go over to Vulcan. Absolutely. We'll actually have to take a field trip. I think think people need to hear that people need to come to Birmingham and come and visit Vulcan. And then actually go talk to Jennifer so she can actually talk to you. And maybe oh, she'll yeah. even show you the gen, her gold um, her gold medal. Oh, I don't know that. that I don't, I, I know it doesn't say it hanging in the office, but she might even share a picture of it. So that would be great. Awesome. A gold oh, medal brunch. Mm. <laughs> How fun. We'll do it. <laughs> Jennifer, thanks again. It's been great to spend time with you. And we hope you just have a, a great day and a great year until we see you in person again. Absolutely. It will be sooner rather than later. And thank y'all so much for inviting me. This has been so much fun. Absolutely. On behalf of Prince Albert and the Radio Gold team, we're so (laughs) excited you joined us today. And uh, we hope everybody has a great week. We'll see you later.